I look at life like this, right? I think we're all going to end up in a nursing home someday. 100%. Right? And you just want to be the coolest person in the damn nursing home. Absolutely. I want to have the most stories. That's exactly right. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about money. You don't you don't get to take it with you. And it's always kind of stuck with me. Like if I have the option to do the right thing or the thing that's going to lead to a cool story, I'll probably always do the thing that's going to lead to a cool story. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I'm honored and excited to announce my guest, Colin Maine, who somehow found time in his ridiculously busy schedule to fly over 2000 miles from Nashville, Tennessee, to be here with me today in Los Angeles. For those of you who aren't familiar, Colin was born and raised in Canada. He was a fitness model and a physique competitor. He's an ex-MMA fighter, a motivational speaker, and a world traveler. He's a successful entrepreneur, a social media influencer, and a dog lover, and honestly, one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know. So I want to start off are you a risk taker? Because I've got a game here. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm down. What's the game? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So these are the rules of this game. And I'm going to do this now. <laughs> so that this is how the game works, right? So this is actually cards from a, a game called uh, New Phone Who Dis. Not Who This, Who Dis. Okay. Okay. And um, so how this is going to work, you'll give me your phone. I'm going to pick a random contact. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. A random contact, and you don't know who it is. Okay. You have one chance of rejecting, right? So you say, "Oh, okay. no way." Yeah, There's I'm not no gonna way. hold them. Okay. Right. And then I'll pick another person, and then from there you have to choose from those two. Okay. Okay. And then you're gonna pick up one of these three cards. It's not gonna get you into trouble. I promise you. It's nothing well, sexual not. or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <All> <laughs> it's right. Nothing like that. You don't have to worry about that. And then you just have to text them that. Okay. Whatever this says on this. Oh, whatever, like the flip side of the card flip says? Flip one of them. Or you get to pick one of the cards. <laughs> All right. I'll All give right. you my phone and my contacts. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Mike. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to that one, but, but I you feel like it's see your second choice. Yeah, though, exactly. Right? I mean, that's somebody I might have just met one time or something. All right. Let's go another one here. I'm, I'm hoping for like a good one, like an X or something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's see here. How about Jamie? Oh, that was a girl in Amsterdam. I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I don't want to make you get long distance charges here. We're just going to. What's do, that message? We're going to do Caitlin. All right. I know Caitlin. <laughs> All right. So you pick oh, one, the card? just whichever one you want. All right. It says, this is what the bottom of the card says. And it says, hey, I got some silly string for tonight, ready to get loose. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, we're going to text that. She'll be like, what? I haven't talked to this girl in like two years. All right, I sent it. We'll see if she texts back. (laughs) We'll see if she texts back. Thank you for having fun with me here. All right. So you've been locked out of Canada since all of COVID. Well, I wouldn't say I've been locked out. I just chose not to go back. Okay. To <laughs> yeah, I can go back whenever I want. I just like I was living in Mexico for a few months and then Alabama and Florida. So I was pretty much just going wherever was open and didn't have mask mandates. And I had more freedom and beautiful weather. So, yeah, I just chose not to go back. So if I wanted to mail you a postcard, where do I even send it? I don't know. Just <laughs> message me first and then I'll tell just you where I'm at. message me first. <laughs> I try to order things and like, cause I have my supplement sponsors and different apparel sponsors and stuff. So they always message me first and like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm not in uh, Alabama. I'm actually in Tennessee right now. I'm like, yeah. send me this. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of you, man. It's hard to keep track. I'm trying to keep a beat on me. I love it, man. I live vicariously through, you know, some of your updates, you know, you're all over the place. So it's funny. Like I was thinking of you three days ago, um, because I knew you were coming in to be on the show. And so I go into my closet and, uh, you know, I go grab a nice shirt and then I go grab some pants and then I put my pants on and the pants don't fit anymore. (laughs) And so I was thinking, man, this is a problem that Colin probably never had in his life. Uh, well, I've had that problem just like when my legs got too big and stuff like that. And just to, different reasons, yeah. right? Those are good reasons, <laughs> yeah. right? Good reasons. 
you know, you've got the model looks, you know, you, you could be on the cover of a men's health uh, magazine. I've you've been got, on the cover of men's health is, magazine. Is that right? <laughs> Have you? Yeah. I just did a photo shoot and I guess the photographer submitted the photos and men's health. And I was on men's health, Iron Man magazine and Muscle Insider. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So um, you've got the sense of humor, you've got, you know, the intelligence, you know, but overall, I think the biggest thing that you have is just you're a good human being, you know, try to be. You really are, man. <laughs> you know, you, you're uh, like a walking um, positive energy, you know. Um, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that has a lot to do with kind of probably your upbringing. Um, so let's let's go back a little bit. First of all, you've got, I think, two best friends. One I know for sure is Vega. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Vega's yeah. Vega's my dog. She's she comes everywhere. I always joke that like I'm pretty certain that Vega's probably traveled more of the world than most people have with me. Yeah, yeah. She comes. She's been to Mexico, Colombia, America, Canada. <laughs> she goes everywhere with me. How long have you had her? Uh, she just turned five. Yeah, in April. April twenty second was five. her birthday. Five yeah, years. She goes everywhere. Everywhere. I didn't bring her here because she ended up getting injured like three days ago. I want. I heard. I saw that on your post. So yeah, me, we went for a hike, and she's like a. Uh, she's trained for search and rescue, so she's a high drive working dog. She's a Belgian Malinois, and uh, she just took off. After, we were going for a hike in a trail, and she took took off after a squirrel. Which I'm always like, yeah, like fill your boots because she never ever catches them usually. Yeah. And uh, she just came flying in mock speed and hit like a tree that had fallen over, slammed into it with her chest and like went flying over the thing. And I was like, oh, I'm like, damn it, Vega. <laughs> so then uh, she was like kind of limping and she hurt her like front, like chest, like upper leg area. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, I'm like kind of walk it off type thing. And we still had like probably like, I don't know, like two miles left to go of our hike. And like, she's always ahead of me, like 150, 200 feet ahead of me. And then she was like 150 feet behind me. I was like, well, that's not right. Uh, so I turned around she was like limping and she was like all buggered up. So and I have a, like a Kevlar vest that I have on her just for branches and debris and stuff like that. So it's got like straps and handles on. So I just threw over my shoulders and then uh, I walked her out and then, which was a workout in itself. Sure. <laughs> she's like a 70 pound dog for a couple miles uh, in flip-flop sandals. Carrying her. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so I got her out and I thought it was just her, uh, like front leg that she hit a tree into or something, but she had, uh, maybe she tried to break or stop and she ripped all the pads off her front paws. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's why you're like limping and hobbling around. So got her in the truck and plus it was hot out. It was like, I don't know, it's probably 85 degrees out. Yeah. I got her back and then, uh, I had to antiseptic clean out her paws and everything like that. And I put some Neosporin and bandaged them all up, put some, uh, some of my little ankle socks on her and taped them around her uh -huh. ankles. So it would kind of stay in place and give her some padding. So, but she's making a recovery. I was going to bring her with me actually out here, but I was uh, telling them that I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if the dog comes. With oh yeah, yeah. I was going to bring Vega for uh -huh. sure. But, uh, I just didn't want her like walking through the airport and like sure. going to new like smells and areas and stuff. She's all banged up. So, and this dog is like the most athletic dog <laughs> I've ever seen, man. Well, she's an athlete. She runs trees, she runs up trees <laughs> to get the ball. Like it's, it's nuts. Oh yeah. She's a, she's a good dog. So, and I think, you know, I'm just making an assumption here, but, you know, I'm assuming that your other best friend is, uh, is your brother, James. Yes. Yeah. My older brother. brother. Yeah. He's two years older than me. So okay. yeah, like I hadn't gone, God, I don't even know. I probably the longest I ever went without seeing him was like two, three months before. And then COVID happened and he is a uh, warden at a prison and in Canada, our prisons are governmentally run. So he technically works for the government. Um, so I think they had like. I'm not 100% certain on it, but I think they had like more stipulations and stuff for government workers. So he couldn't like travel. And I was like, hey, like I'll fly you wherever in the world you want to go to meet me. Like we'll party and have a good time for like a week and catch up. So um, I didn't see him for like a year and a half probably. And then uh, he flew up to uh, up to Virginia Beach. One of my other best friends, he's a Navy SEAL up there. So I was spending some time helping him. him he had a surgery and I was helping him out with that and helped him move and stuff like that because he sold his house. Um, so James flew up and then, uh, I took him from there and we drove up to Charlotte. He was like a prisoner that just got let out and he was like, oh my God, like nobody's wearing masks here. And there's like bars are open and he was super excited. So I was like, yeah, like, cause Canada's fully locked down. So mm -hmm. took him to uh, Raleigh. We went and watched the uh, Nashville Predators play Carolina Hurricanes in the playoffs, which was a wicked hockey game. There's like mm. 18,000 people there. So yeah. And then we hung out for a few days and partied and had some adventures. It was good. 
So growing up, were you guys kind of like the best of friends, worst of enemies? God, no, we were terrible. Like I would fight him every day. Like I hated my brother. He just drove me nuts. He's like very similar to me, but also very different than me. Like he's kind of more like introverted and like mm -hmm. methodical and like would read a lot and stuff. And he was into like Lord of the Rings when like we were younger. And mm -hmm. that was definitely not me. And uh, <laughs> so I was out causing trouble and getting into shenanigans. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, we hated each other until uh, until he moved out, until he went to college. Yep. And then like, I think the separation or like the distance, maybe it was just, he was always in my face because we were living together. <laughs> yeah. So then when he moved out, that's when we kind of like became like closer when I was like 16 and he would have been 18. Mm -hmm. He went to college and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah. And then after that, yeah, we were just, became like best friends and we were good and lived together for a few years. And and if you were to see the picture of his brother, like almost like a clone copy of <laughs> Yeah, you. yeah, he uh, looks very similar to me. When he was 18 and I was 16, I would steal his driver's license and sneak into the bars. And I love the story that you told me about uh, on his wedding day, about settling that one debate. Oh yeah, the arm wrestling thing <laughs> yeah, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Huh? We, were, uh, we were doing a photo shoot and the photographer, we were at this cool like tavern. It was like an old bank or something like that. Yeah, I think the photographer wanted to do like a shoot or like a photo shoot of like us arm wrestling because I was the best man at his wedding. Uh -huh. And uh, she's like, yeah, just make it look like you guys are like just struggling and stuff. Pretend. I was like, absolutely not. I'm like, James, we're 100% arm wrestling. We're going to like see who wins. <laughs> so we had like all the bridesmaids and all the groomsmen. They were like, they were around us in a circle, like throwing money in there, making bets on who was going to win. And uh, I ended up beating them. And I was like, not even on your wedding day am I going to let you win. <laughs> yeah, but the pictures turned out pretty good because we were definitely trying. I love that story when you took, because I, I think you posted up something on Facebook. I'm yeah. like, who would win an arm wrestle, right? And you're like, oh, we've got that one. So tell me a little bit more. I know you're very close with your, uh, with your mom. Yeah, so uh, my parents split up when I was like, five or six, around there, five or six. Um, my dad was in the Canadian Special Forces. He was in the Army. And then, uh, hmm. so he was traveling around different deployments and stuff like that. So I didn't see him too, too much until I was like 12 or 13 when he retired, which was perfect because I kind of, that was around the time that I needed like a good father figure around. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I was raised by a single mom. She, uh, she opened up a tanning spa and then it ultimately became like a normal spa, I guess. She had that for like 20, she just sold it a couple of years ago. She had it for like 20, 20 years or something like that. Is that right? Oh yeah, my mom's like a superhero. She, uh, I don't know how she raised me and my brother. <laughs> yeah, she was always working and then uh, when she wasn't working, she was making sure I was not getting arrested or anything like that. <laughs> my mom's a superhero. She's definitely an incredible woman. You came from humble beginnings, it sounds like. Yeah, we definitely didn't have much growing up. So, uh, which is a good thing. I think it, it builds is, a lot I of character. I think that's a great thing, man. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then obviously watch my mom like start her own business and grow and scale and market and everything. And she'd put in like 12, 14, 16 hour days. And yeah, so it was kind of like, I obviously didn't understand what was happening at the time when I was younger and stuff, but it was good uh, being surrounded by that because it kind of gave me some ideas. And now when I think about me working, I'm like, all right, if my mom could do it, raising two little hellions, I'm sure I can start a business and figure it out on my own. <laughs> Yeah, you got your entrepreneurial traits from her. You know, my mom was, uh, I got similar story. My mom uh, raised me. My father left when I was probably about three years old. And um, we didn't even have a car, you know, like we would have to walk everywhere. And I remember like four years old walking down the street and like asking my mom to stop so that we can take a break so that my young little legs could kind of rest. Like, so, but I think it's an, it's a testament to kind of who we grow up to be. Oh, a hundred percent. It's funny that you mentioned that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. We didn't have a car until, God, I don't even know, until I bought a car when I was 17 or 18, probably. Yeah. Huh? Never had a car. I didn't have cable until probably like 28, 29. Hmm. I just never grew up watching TV, really. I was always outside playing, getting into something or running around biking or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I forgot about that. Yeah, we didn't have a car either. <laughs> I remember walking <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> my mom cleaned houses. I mean, yeah, okay. it was like very like humble. And then we lived with my grandparents in like a little upstairs, like kind of like a shack. Bathroom is like like a toilet. That's really it. I think it is good. It teaches you the uh, value of a dollar and how to earn it. Yep, for sure does. Tell me a little bit more about, so like you grew up, you graduated high school or? 
Uh, barely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, barely. And I'm pretty sure I only passed because uh, my football coach was the vice principal. And I'm pretty sure he, like, somehow did something and barely made me pass. Made that CF turn into a C something. Yeah, right? yeah. I had, like, I think I needed 100 credits to graduate, like, technically. And I had 100 on the dot. Okay. <laughs> so now when you were in high school, did you kind of know knew what you were going to do? Or you? No, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, I remember graduating and then... Uh, I was like, God, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And then uh, ultimately ended up getting into the oil field and created a welding company and did that for like five years, five and a half years. Yeah. So, and then I uh, eventually got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm tired of working 12, 14 hour days in the coldest place on the planet in Northern Canada. So yeah, one day I just packed up and I said like, screw this. And uh, ultimately to answer your other question, how did I end up in the States? It's always women. <laughs> uh, I ended up moving to the other side of Canada, started dating a girl there. So that kind of like, I had to cut ties and like, cause on the other side of Canada, like the oil industry wasn't big. So it was like, all right, you're going to make the decision to like sell my company and my trucks and my tools and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Sold everything, moved across the country. It was like, I don't know, 3,900 kilometers, 4,000 kilometers away. And then, um, yeah, started my first online business, which was uh, my online fitness company. And yeah, grew in scale to uh, another company and another company and another company. <laughs> and so what happened? So you um, you were working out, you were staying in shape. Uh, did yes. you get like management? So how did you kind of get into that whole fitness world? So I used to fight in MMA when I was, I think I had my first MMA fight when I was 18. Yeah, as soon as I was able to sign the contract legally, I, my birthday was on September 11th. My first fight was September 15th. Yeah, so I was doing that. And then uh, I was always big into like working out and strength conditioning and stuff like that in athletics. So um, I started working with some of the MMA fighters and stuff and helping them with like their strength and conditioning. And I wasn't certified or anything like that. I was just helping them out with the knowledge I had. And then I ultimately got certified with different uh, accreditations. Yeah. And then I realized that uh, MMA fighters have no money. So <laughs> I was like, all right, I need to branch out and start working with regu regular people that have the funds to uh, maybe turn this into a business. And then the girl that I started seeing she was already kind of doing like online training and stuff. So she was like a year ahead of me. So she actually helped me out a lot. Uh, her name was Christina. So moved over, the, moved out to the other side, the uh, east, yeah, more east coast of Canada. And then uh, she kind of helped me out with my website and kind of showed me how to market and stuff. And mm -hmm. around that time, because I didn't have social media until like 2007, 16. Yeah, 16. Yep. And then... Um, so I, I knew nothing about Facebook. I didn't, I thought Instagram was like a filter for photos. I didn't even know what it was. I was like, I'm not using that. That's stupid. And I'm mm -hmm. like, it's for like kids and stuff. Then I started realizing the market, marketing power of it. And then, uh, yeah, um, one thing led to another and grew my following and scaled my online business. And yeah, that's how I kind of got into that. Uh, my first online business. Interesting. I actually, in my past life, I was uh, a DJ. I remember you telling me that with um, Alex. Yeah. And so uh, one of the gigs that I had was uh, working for Metrex. Yeah, they were like one of the OG companies. They sure were. Yeah. Dr. Stock, Scott Connolly was the founder of that. Yeah. Um, probably one of the original founders of like protein bars back, I think, in those days. Yeah, they were, they were an old company. They're one of the OGs. I remember seeing their old ads in the like Muscle Insider magazines. And I'm sure you go <laughs> and, you know, you get paid to kind of stand around and endorse bars Pretty much, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever supplement company I'm with. Uh, yeah. I got to, I was with Bang Energy for a few years and God, I did like one year I did like 22 shows or something like that huh. in a year. And it was like every weekend I was in a different city, different country, but I got to go like Germany, Birmingham, United Kingdom, uh, Australia, Canada, all over the United States. I was kind of burnt out after that year, but because I was living in a suitcase for like nine months, but it was a ton of fun. I met a lot of people, had some cool experiences. So lots of stories, probably yeah. right? lots of skeletons in some of those. Stories Not so much. Too. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like when you think about that, right, I think like that was the genesis of like influencer marketing as we know it. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. You know, because nowadays, like lots of people are influencers, right? Yeah, yeah, You know, but those are like real influencers, right? Before the whole social media days where you actually had to work for your influence. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't as easy to like, just get sponsored like as it is now. Like, you can grow a following and stuff. And mm -hmm. Back in the day, you had to win a bunch of shows and compete and that's how you got sponsors and stuff. Now you don't even have to compete to get sponsors. You can mm -hmm. just be a fit person with a larger social media following. So 
it's definitely interesting the evolution of marketing in the fitness anything legal anything. industry you any industry a, yeah you could be an influencer just because you brush your hair a certain way right yeah. i mean there's all kinds of influencers yeah. my buddy tyler he's got a little boy and he used to watch this girl who would build toys and it was oh only a God. video i'm sure your kids probably watched Don't it get too me started but she would make like kinder surprise toys and lego toys and i was like what i'm like how does how are people interested in this? And it's kids; they're like enthralled by it. No, some of the biggest, like some of the most paid influencers are, un, are under twelve years old. Like, oh, for sure. YouTube. There's that little kid that made like forty million dollars. Um, Evan too. Evan's yeah, yeah. Tube, I think. Yeah, is yeah. Name. yeah. I'm like, good for him. Make that money. But you know what? It really takes. You know, it. It's the parents, right? Obviously, yeah, yeah. it wasn't the kids' idea. It was the parents' idea. The parents probably went to like film school. You know what I mean? Like some of that stuff is like really high, highly produced. My kid, like my daughter now, four years old, like that's that's how she consumes content is just YouTube. Oh, yeah. So MMA days. So how long, how many years did you fight? When did you get started? Um, I started training when I was like 17. Um, I was always getting in bar fights and stuff like that. My hometown, sneaking into bars and beating up adults and stuff. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, I'm probably going to get arrested one of these days, which I ended up did getting arrested later in life. Um <laughs> which is a TSN turning point for me. Okay. But I was like, I might as well get paid for it and not go to jail, um, <laughs> which didn't ultimately work. But uh, yeah, so I started when I was like 17, then uh, trained and fought for probably like five years. And then what had happened was um, actually a good training partner of mine. He fought in the UFC. Uh, he has, well, he has, he has the record for the fastest heavyweight knockout, but it's him getting knocked out. It's the record you want to be on. Yeah, right? It's not the, the right side of it, uh -huh. but his name is Tim Hag and he fought in the UFC, fought all over Asia and stuff like that. Huge dude. He was like six, four, like two sixty. He ended up coming back and had a boxing match and the athletic commission in the uh, Alberta is the Edmonton Athletic Commission and they sanctioned this match and he ended up dying. He ended up getting like knocked down like three times and the fight shouldn't have ever happened the way it did. He died in that fight. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. And then, um, so when he died, the Athletic Commission like reviewed all their like pre-fight medicals and everything like that. And they made it so that you need to have a um, CT scan before um, your fights because it used to be like you had to get your blood work for like hepatitis A, B, and C and whatnot. And then a doctor physical, he'd check you over, make sure you're fine. And then that was it. But then if you fought and you got knocked out, then you had to have a CT scan in order to fight your next fight. That's how it used to be. But then when Tim passed away, um, they kind of revamped all the rules and stuff like that. And they started acquiring it before a fight. And I had never ever been knocked out or TKO'd or anything. So I never had that problem with CT scan. But um, when I was a kid, I had a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, and I have a huge portion of my skull missing. So I would never pass a CT scan. Um, so when that happened, that's ultimately how I kind of got into the fitness industry. Cause I was like, all right, well, I'm done training. I still compete in jujitsu and grappling competitions like now to this day. Yeah, I had to stop fighting. So I was like looking for a different outlet. And I knew a girl at the time that was competing in bikini competitions and stuff. And she's like, why don't you do like a men's physique competition? Like you do well. And then did one and won it and did another one and won it. And then I just kept winning. So I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing these. And then, uh, yeah, that's kind of ultimately how I got into the fitness industry. And just when I was competing and posting pictures, like I was leaner and good shape and stuff. So obviously it was like more appealing to, for engagement on social media and stuff. Huh. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, MMA. Um, I went to high school with, uh, uh, the New York badass. Oh, Phil Baroni. Phil Baroni. Yeah, yes. yeah. that's funny. Yeah. I met Phil actually. I met Phil in um, Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah, he was cool. He was fun. I used to love watching him fight back in the early days. Mm -hmm. He went to our school for like a year and then something happened. I'm not sure if grades or whatnot, but he ended up leaving, but he was on our wrestling team for like a year. He was a tough dude. In, in oh, high yeah. School. He did yeah. well in his career. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yep. So these days, uh, so like I see that you are traveling a lot. I saw that you put like 50,000 miles on your car oh, God, over yeah. the past yeah. couple years. I either don't drive my vehicle for like six months when I'm living in Mexico uh -huh. uh, or, and then I come back and then I drive it like 40,000 miles in like three months. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I put a lot of miles on. What now does a, a typical day look like for Colin? For the most part, uh, I usually typically wake up at like four or five, six a.m. Whenever um, mm -hmm. I try not to be on my phone for like the first hour, so that way I'm not waking up and like instantly like coming out of REM sleep and then looking at emails and trying to figure out like 
put out fires and stuff at different businesses. So I typically try to like wake up, journal, figure out, figure out like what my tasks for the day are, what I'm going to do for like personal development and like financial and professional development. And then I go for like a walk, work Vega, uh, and then start my day kind of and usually on business calls or different meetings and stuff like that with clients, um, do check-ins and video calls with my fitness clients and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I work out and that's about it. It's not a super exciting life. <laughs> it's not as exciting as it looks like on social media, but. Well, the places that you're doing that from are. Yeah. Exciting, so because right? like I have the three, uh, three different companies, um, I have my fitness company and then my legal marketing company. That's ultimately how I met you. Yeah. And then I just jumped involved. I got involved with an e-commerce company, which is doing super well. Yeah. So that's kind of been taking up a lot of my time in the last like three or four months. But yeah, typically I'm able to run my businesses like remotely unless I got to go to a legal conference or something like that. Um, but besides that, yeah. So I just travel wherever I want to go and and just run my businesses off my computer and my phone. I love that. So you have three three businesses. So you've got your, you as a brand, as a business, you're probably not even counting that one, right? I mean, because you're coaching people too, right? That's more of the business side of it or what? Yeah, I guess like, I technically like have my own brand. So I have my apparel sponsors and my supplement sponsors and stuff like that for fitness. Yeah. Uh, and then I have my online fitness uh, company where we have three trainers that are working for us. Um, we got a nutritionist and two trainers. And then, um, yeah, and then the legal marketing uh, and then the e-commerce business. And so the legal marketing, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I just created my company and I partnered with Broughton Partners, Damon, uh, Barr and Kaysen. And then, uh, yeah, and then I just helped them do uh, mass tort sales. And, nice. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how I met you. Yeah, we did, yeah. Miami. And then, so now the e-commerce is new? Well, actually, I partnered with a guy that had been doing it for um, about three and a half years. Okay. It's funny because his company's name is We Do Ecom For You, which is Alex we Valencia. Do is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why when he told me, I was like, you know, Alex Valencia? What's Valencia is uh, We Do Content. Web content. Or web, we web do content. content. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, do you know Alex Valencia? He's like, no, I don't know who that is. I'm like, oh, well, your company sounds very similar to his <laughs> company. I guess it's not like crazy original. So, and then uh, I had to laugh about that. So I partnered with him and then, um, yeah, grew and scale that. We hit like seven figures in four months. So is that right? Yeah, we're doing. And we're are doing, you are you carrying product? Or are you doing drop shipping? Or? No. So essentially, what it is is um, it's a company, and we curate and build out and manage uh, Amazon and Walmart stores uh, oh. for e-commerce. And then uh, it's a 50-50 profit share. So the company is trying to make you as much money as possible because it makes them as much money as possible. Sure. And it's a hundred percent passive income. We do everything. We do all the sales, returns, select the products. You don't have to do a single thing. So you have multiple stores. So that's how you scale it is kind of building new stores. Yeah. I personally own two. And okay. then um, we have 57 clients that we have. We got uh, Steve Smith's with us. Is that uh, right? Chris Sykes is with us. Louis Scott uh, from Bader and Scott. Get out of here. He's doing it too, huh? Uh, he's jumping in right away. He just bought that house. So he was like, yeah, I'm taking care of this house. And uh, I think he was saying like this month or next month, he's going to get involved. So we're going to build him out a store. So, so for those that are not listening, e-commerce, right? E-commerce is, is, uh, e is a, a, a site. There's Magento. There's all these different platforms um, where you can um, basically sell products. And some people either carry the product or you do what is referred as drop shipping, right? Yeah. So in this case, it sounds like uh, you're just running. Uh, it's drop shipping, yeah. It is drop yeah. shipping, yeah. So with drop shipping, obviously, it eliminates most of the risk because, like, say you purchase something from my store for 20 bucks, um, then we buy it for $10 or whatever. And then we would keep that additional $10 as an ROI. So you're never like out of pocket. So it kind of eliminates the risk. Yeah. So I think it's probably the best business model, obviously. So that's kind of how we run it. Interesting. Yeah. So e-commerce, uh, I, I've done some work in e-commerce right now. We're building out protein bars.com. Yeah. How's that going? I remember you telling me about that like last year. It's interesting how this all came together, right? So a friend of mine, uh, Amar Kuba is his name. He had the domain name, right? Protein bar and protein bars.com. And that's half the battle. Just having that. Well, that's domain a good domain name, name. right? <laughs> And so then at uh, a dinner with a couple of friends, um, I bumped into a husband, uh, a guy by the name of Anthony, um, that owns a company called U-Bar, right? And he's telling me what he does. And so when Amar came to me like seven years ago saying, hey, you know, I know you're really good at this SEO. We should work together on something. I'm like, what kind of domains do you think? He's like, well, I've got protein bars and protein bars. And I'm like, that's awesome, but it'll be just a distraction right now. I don't have enough staff. Yeah. I'm kind of overworked. But let me just kind of keep that in the back burner. <clears throat> so when I met Anthony, 
um, from U-Bars. He has one of the largest manufacturers of protein bars out here in, in California. And so then it just clicked. I'm like, wait a second. I've got the <laughs> SEO. He's got the domain. He's yeah, got yeah. that. We got the product manufacturer. Yeah, there it is, right? So it was kind of like an instant deal kind of that was ready to happen. So for the past year, we've been kind of developing the website. We've been publishing content on it. And so that's how SEO works. You know, sure, we can start making product right away, but right now we're just kind of building out the actual infrastructure of the site and doing that. So I have like the top layer of SEO, like understood. I'm, I know there's way more than like, <laughs> I was talking to Alex one time and I was like, oh yeah, so it's kind of like this. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, I get it. And then he like went on like eight more minutes of like explaining it to me. I was like, oh, I have no idea what you're, like, what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, that's why you guys do your thing. I'm like, we'll just hire you to do it. The funniest story was uh, like, we had just met, right? We haven't known each other very long. I and mean, it was in Miami, right? And so we're, I was sitting prepping for my, my presentation, right? And I, I, my deck wasn't ready yet. And so I had to explain kind of like what SEO was to people, right? And so you were sitting like behind me. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this. You were sitting <laughs> behind me, right? And so like I opened up Wikipedia, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so I've got Wikipedia open and it says like, what is SEO? <laughs> and you're looking at me and then you actually just come up next. You guys, dude, I got to ask, like, do you really know this stuff? Or are you just making this stuff? <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, because I saw his computer was open and they're like, yeah, Jason Hassey would be up next speaking about SEO. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then I like look over, I see him and he's like Googling what is SEO? I'm like, well, that's not a good sign. I was like, do you even know what SEO is? <laughs> Oh, that was classic, man. Uh, we, we've shared a lot of laughs in the show. I forgot about period. that. Uh -huh. That's a good story. So looking at uh, social media, you know, I think there was a post. Like you you always have like very inspirational posts. Well, I appreciate it. I try to. I try to add value. I'm not going to post anything if I don't view it as adding value to anybody. <laughs> no, it really is. It's like, you know, some, you know, sometimes people's having a bad day. They see your post and it kind of gives them a different light on uh, on their life, on their day. Yeah, right? yeah. I try to do the same, um, but you you go one step further. I mean, you kind of create the videos and yeah. share the stories, you know, and one of the posts that says, uh, you know, that you just like to kind of progress like just 1% yeah. every day, right? 1% better each day, whether it be mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, as long as you're growing and progressing and you're adding more value to yourself, which in turn adds more value to those around you that you care about. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of just how I view life and just kind of picture your whole life as a toolbox. And the more tools you can stuff into that box, the more value you have. Totally agree. I try, I try like our whole business. That's like a part of our like, uh, like mantra business is like, yeah. just be 1% better. That's it. Right. Um, but it's, it, it has everything to do with not just business, just with life. Right? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Spiritualism, emotional intelligence, financial, professional, personal, everything. We learn from our lessons and yeah. just kind of- Everything in life's a learning lesson. Fail forward. <laughs> yeah. Right? You fail forward. Um, I always laugh when people are like, oh, like it looks like you never fail. I'm like, I fail all the time. I just like, just keep moving forward. <laughs> On that note. So uh, there is a post and I will try to uh, explain this for those that are listening, right? The quote of the post is everybody fucking loses. That's true. Right? Everybody loses. And uh, and it's about failing forward. Um, and there's a picture of you. Uh, I'd imagine this was probably MMA days. I hope it wasn't the uh, street fighting or bar days. Oh, yeah. I forgot what photo I used for, for that post. Yeah. not No, that was, uh, I ended up getting jumped by like five guys. Is that right? So yeah, that was like shattered. actually out in the streets kind of a thing. Yeah, I was in front of a pizza shop, actually. And uh, I ended up fighting one guy and I was on top of him hitting him. And then like his buddy came and just boom, hit me and just blew my nose, shattered my nose. Um, and then I ended up like fighting them off and I'm scrambling out, got away. And then, but I ended up getting my face shattered and uh, I phoned my brother and I was like, Hey, I need you to come meet me. I need you to reset my nose. And uh, he's like, all right. I think he met me in a Denny's bathroom and I was holding on to the, like the hand, like that bar that's like that you yeah. hold on to, like if you're trying to get up out of the, off the toilet, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just held on to that and he uh, reset my nose for me in the Denny's bathroom. I remember that. Oh but my. yes, that is the photo uh, where I was all busted up. Wow. But you know what? I, I love that about you because it, it, most people wouldn't put that photo up, right? It's just you being vulnerable, <laughs> right? It's like, cause too many people like give the glimpse of, uh, of what, 
you know, the positive stuff that's happening. Oh yeah, in nobody life, share, right? nobody wants to share their losses on social media. They don't. So I think that that post had like that photo, uh, a commercial real estate property that I bought that failed, and yeah. I ended up losing a bunch of money on a clothing company photo that I had. Um, that went under, it was just a bunch of failures that I had in life. It makes you stronger, right? Oh, it makes you stronger. Yeah, I learned a ton from all those different stories. Not so much the getting sucker punched in the nose. I, that was just kind of catch your attention. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't learn too, too much about that. I already know that getting punched in the nose sucks. Part of the theme of my podcast is talking about failure, right? Because I can, it defines who we are. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It truly does, you know, and, and it's the, the biggest impact that you can get is like, what are the lessons that you learn from the failure? And then yeah. you don't make those same mistakes again. So what would you say would be one of your biggest failures that has really impacted you as, as a human being? Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot. Um, Biggest failures that has impacted me as a human being. I would say like the overall biggest one would be that like to take risks and like you're never always going to win when you take a risk. So brush yourself off when you fail and just keep moving forward and like just have the mindset that you need to be taking risks and like living with life short. Like you only get 60 years of like health and happiness to grow and progress, we'll say. Yeah. And then uh, and that's it. So 60 years passes quick. That is quick, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest one that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, we it, it happens every day, right? Yeah, and if you're not, like, pushing yourself and trying to, like, grow and progress and take risks and failing, obviously, then you're not going to be growing and learning lessons. Mm -hmm. Like, you can, you can just do nothing and coast through life if you wanted to, but you're never going to grow and progress. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of ultimately the way. I, I, like, that's why I travel so much. Like I love going to different cultures, learning different languages, eating new foods, learning new like habits and stuff. So I just think the more value that you have and understanding of the world and how people like communicate and like socialize and yeah, it's just, it adds so much value to your life. It does. Plus it gives you some fun stories. For sure. <laughs> That's what it all, you know, I, I look at life like this, right? I think we're all going to end up in a nursing home someday. 100%. Right. And you just want to be the coolest person in the damn nursing home. Absolutely. I want right? to have the most stories. That's exactly yeah. right. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about money. You don't, you don't get to take it with you. Nope. Yeah. So have as many good stories. It's funny that uh, I remember when I was like 16, 17, I would always like, I would always just say it's all about the memories. And then when I graduated, that was in my high school yearbook. And it's always kind of stuck with me like. If I have the option to do the right thing or the thing that's going to lead to a cool story, I'll probably always do the thing that's going to lead to a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. So, uh, you know, I, I have a, a an older uh, Lamborghini, right? I got a 2000. Is that a yellow one? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and I went to Georgia. Which, right? by the way, I want to talk about that because I was I didn't know what you did when I first met you. I didn't know that you were very successful and you were like killing it. And I love that I had no idea that you had this beautiful home and a Lamborghini and all this stuff until like two years after knowing you. Is that right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why I like Jason because he's super humble. And yeah, like, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, and I obviously I'm not saying that to brag. Like it's yeah, the yeah. story, right? So my son, JJ, right? He grew is up. Is he like 16? He's he's 18 and my 16 year old is. Zach, oh, yeah. I knew right? one was like 16. And then we got yeah. Brooklyn who's four. But my son, JJ, um, you know, growing up, like he was all into cars, right? His room was Lamborghinis and Ferraris. We would go to the car shows, right? So that was his whole world. The old Scholastic up. Book Fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yellow Lamborghini photo that every kid had in the world. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what is it? Justice for Education yeah, or something, something yeah, like something that. Like yeah. That. yeah uh -huh. You know, so I'd flown back to uh, Georgia. We were going to see some friends. And uh, a friend of mine, um, Ken, his name is, um, so he had, he, I think he was the second owner of this Lamborghini and he babied this thing, right? It sat in his garage. He washed it, waxed it. Like this thing was like babied. It was immaculate. Unfortunately, he was going through a divorce at the time. And I, I kind of half jokingly said like, hey, Ken, you know, one of these days you're gonna have to show me the ropes. I might want to buy like an exotic car. I might want to get a Lamborghini. Like, and he's like, well, you can buy mine because it's for <laughs> sale, Right. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, unfortunately. And he told me that he's kind of going yeah. through divorce and he'd much rather kind of keep it in the family, right? And I'm like, huh. So uh, I'm like, interesting. And so I kind of just kind of, you know, shot it off. And then uh, the next day I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm, I'm here, my son's here. 
I've always wanted, like I, I, when I was a kid, I made a promise to myself. My mom was in, uh, in the hospital because she had uh, tumors, brain tumors. And so um, I would walk across the street and there was like this exotic Lamborghini place, right? And here I am, right? I didn't have a car growing up as a kid. And so I'd, I'd walk over and I'd sit and I'd like touch the car and sit in the car and, you know, and I was just kind of killing time, right? And I made a promise to myself when I was like, you know, nine, 10 years old, whatever that, you know, if I ever made it, I would buy myself yeah. a Lamborghini. I also made a promise that I'd buy my mom a Corvette and I did that too. And so uh, I just had this promise in the back of my head. And I, I guess this was just God telling me like, hey, maybe it's time. Yeah. And so it was just, it was just the cool story, right? So like I took my son and I'm like, hey, we're going to go buy Ken's Lamborghini right now. And he's like, what? And so I called Ken. I'm like, how much do you want for it? He's like, I want this. I'll give you 10,000 less yeah. and I'll take it today. And he's like, serious? I'm like, yeah. And so we went to the bank. We got the check. And then we drove over and we bought the Lamborghini like impulse buy, right? And so that was just like, you know, you can't make up those stories. Like that will forever be like a story that my son will always remember. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. So I noticed, and I've never asked you this. You've got a tattoo on your left hand. Yeah, it's uh, it says deeds, not words. It's the Canadian uh, Special Forces uh, motto. So it was always something that was around the house, and I always like thought it was super cool and interesting. Yeah, I mean, not a lot to me. I was super close to my dad, so yeah. Yeah, and the other one on my other hand is uh, Latin for loyalty. Huh. Yeah, I never asked you what that was about, but it makes sense now that your yeah. dad was in special forces. Yeah. Your dad must have been a tough dude, man. Oh God, he's he'd still beat me up. He'd outwork me. Like he's such a friggin' freak of nature. He's is he like physique like you guys were? Yeah, he's like, like fifty five, and he goes out and like he'll bike like sixty, seventy kilometers, oh and like he's running and constantly working. Like he's like the stereotypical like dad's dad. He can like do anything. He's like building out like sheds in the backyard than doing the electrical work in the house and re-renovating the basement and like mm -hmm. fixes anything on cars and like he's just like the perfect dad to be raised by and he's got all these cool fucking stories and stuff so that's awesome yeah he's a uh, every friend of mine that meets my dad like bryce and everybody they just love my dad and then every <laughs> girl makes jokes that they're gonna try to ha sleep with my father he's like super good looking he's smart and he's like yeah, he's just like really witty and has like good stories. So I'm like, ah, oh, that's fair. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I love it, man. I yeah. love it. Dad's dad. And he's in Canada too? Still? Yeah, uh, he's in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. Yeah. He will be one of the cool guys at the nursing home. I, I assure he you. He will be. He'll probably be the guy yelling at people and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you have so much positive energy. Like I said, it's contagious, right? That's um, good. So do you ever have like dark moments? Oh, I, I, everybody does, obviously. Everybody yeah. has different, like you go through breakups and business isn't going well. And I don't know, you're not feeling it that day. Yeah, everybody has those moments, but you just need to power through them and like remind yourself of the positives, keep a positive mindset and just, because it's not going to aid you in any manner to have a toxic mindset or like a negative mindset. Like that's just, it's just going to bring you down to that level. So yeah. if you can try to like work through that and figure out and look for the positives or at least some progress, uh, then it'll kind of keep that momentum going and then it's all good. So do you, you think working out helps you cope with some of the darkness? Mm, I've never been like, when I work out, like my workouts, like if I do, if I like grapple, if I'm doing jiu-jitsu and like uh, MMA and stuff like that training, mm -hmm. um, you'll never be more present than when you're trying to stop somebody from hitting you or submitting you or something sure. like that. So it kind of shuts off your brain from thinking about anything else in the world. I see. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, if I'm like doing jiu-jitsu and I'm grappling with dudes and stuff like that, um, that's kind of like how I like shut my brain off type thing. Because I like I have ADHD and I need to be doing a million different things all day, every day. So um, that was always something that like just shut my brain off and I would only be focused like in that present moment as to what was happening. So that always kind of like drew me into like fighting martial arts and stuff, but like lifting now nah, I just put my music in. I just kind of lift and it's <laughs> not the same, but it's still decent. If that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So music. Well, you wrestled, didn't you, in high school? I was, yes, I was I a big wrestler I saw your, uh, your post and I was like, ooh, look at Jason. Yeah, you know, and I think that's probably part of the reason why I'm not so motivated to work out anymore. Like, you know, I, I need to get back into it. But when I was like, I was really big into wrestling as a kid and there was a lot of pressure as a wrestler. Like, oh, yeah. Well, wrestlers are the toughest 
toughest athlete. So much pressure, man. Like, you know, like I, I would be like the 155 guy, right? And I was like 175 at the beginning of the season, right? But I couldn't wrestle 165 because, you know, there's somebody already had that spot, right? Yeah. And so you had to suck weight, you know, there was yeah. times where, you know, I would be in like a, a gym, like a sauna with like plastic bags, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, like, you know, like, and so like, I was just like, man, so, uh, you know, even like you get to like, um, the, the tournament and you weigh in and you're like just a quarter pound, right. You're shaving. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, and then all the hair in your body. <laughs> like, I mean, all the hair on your body, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to kind of weigh in, uh, and so, um, yeah, that, you know, running anyway, so that, uh, that had told, but I, I was pretty good at it, you know, and it was, it was fun. It was definitely, you know, I attribute a lot of, uh, my business success, I guess, if you will, um, to the wrestling days. Well, like you probably started wrestling when you were like, what, like five, six? I did, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So especially wrestling's huge in the United States. It's not so popular in Canada, mm -hmm. which I wish it was because I would have loved to have done it when I was a kid. If your whole life from when you're a child is you grinding and like being in shitty situations yeah. and just always being uncomfortable, then pretty much a lot of other things in life aren't going to be as difficult. Uh -huh. And like, that's kind of also my mentality when I think of like, running my businesses and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm so burnt out. I'm drained. And I'm like, well, at least I'm not out in negative 50 Celsius weather welding in like <laughs> 14 hours a day. I'm like, it could always be worse. So, you know, and it's funny how I got into wrestling. Um, a friend of mine, Hans Gorbett, he was actually like always into wrestling, right? From the time, like we were like four years old, like his dad kind of got him into it. And I think I was like seven or eight, I think when I got into it and it was like, it was almost like the karate kid, right? We're like, he's like, hey, you want to come to my wrestling meet to watch me, right? And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sure, right? And so then we get down there and it's like, hey, are you in the tournament? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, here, right? And so I, I was, now I'm actually in the tournament, right? And I've never wrestled a day in my life. And so they weighed me, they put me in a weight class and I ended up like getting the fastest pin and I won my weight class. And I didn't know what the <laughs> heck I was doing, man. Like, and so I was like, Maybe there's something here. Yeah. I guess I'll pursue this, right? It's funny how, like, if you do well at something, it, like, becomes addictive. Like, like a, if you get some success. Yeah. Like, it was the same with me with the fitness competitions. I won. I, if I hadn't won my first one, I probably would have been like, oh, all right, this isn't for me. Exactly. But I, I won it, and I was like, all right, I want another and another. And that's kind of funny how that hooks you in. It totally does. And so, like, later in life, you know, like, I, if I was a baseball player, I played a little football until I stopped growing. I was a quarterback, and then I was like, couldn't see over the line anymore, <laughs> yeah. right? And then, you know, baseball, football, and wrestling, those are like my three sports, right? I played racquetball, too. That was a lot of fun. I love racquetball. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. It's good workout. Um, and so, uh, and so those are my three sports. But later on in life, like, I could never be as good as I was at baseball, football, wrestling, right? You know, or even racquetball, yeah. right? And so, like, m mentally, like, I don't really want to play those sports anymore. So what I ended up doing, as somebody told me, they said, just pick up a new sport that you suck at that you don't know, and you could only get better at it, right? <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> and so I picked up playing tennis, and I was just like, I got, I, when I go in, I'm like 120% in, right? And so I took some lessons, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I, eventually, I actually started where I won, like, my division, and I went up to another division, and I went up. And so, so it was just interesting, like, how, you, like, to your point— you know, once you start to kind of feel like you're good at something, yeah. like you're just kind of like all in. Success and like progress is addictive. So once you start like getting some progress, it becomes more fun. And then you're like, all right, I want a little bit more. I want a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So it's anything like fitness. If you're if you're working out and you lose five pounds in a week, you're like, this is awesome. That's right. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, next week I'll try. I want to lose another five pounds or like keep it going type thing. So if you just and it keeps building your confidence too. So same thing with like tennis and it's anything in life. It is. And that's why like, I'm a huge advocate for positive reinforcement. Um, yeah, I do super well with positive reinforcement. If you're mm -hmm. like telling me I'm doing good, that's going to make me happy. If you just yell at me and shit on me, I'm probably not going to like, I'm just going to push back. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's, anybody's like that. Everybody likes positive reinforcement. So absolutely. All right. So let's other questions here. So um, on cheat day, and I think I know the answer to this question. Because we were running, it's funny, like it's like one o'clock in the morning, it's Vegas, right? Here I am kind of like the overweight, out of shape guy, <laughs> right? 
And I'm like, I'm hungry, but I can't like tell this dude, Colin, who I just <laughs> met, who's this physique, you know, like this massive guy, right? I'm like, I can't tell him, let's stop and get pizza, right? And then sure enough, he's like, dude, who wants some pizza right now, right? <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's my kind of guy, man. And oh, yeah, that was, um, we were with Keith and uh, it was me, you and uh, Dave. Yeah, because Dave was showing us that magic trick. That's right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just saw it. I was like, that's a shitty magic trick. I'm like, that's how you did it. I just ruined it for him. And he goes, well, it was working for everybody else. Dave Haskins, <laughs> if you're listening. Yep, that's exactly right. So, but is what would you say is your, uh, on cheat day, what's your go-to meal? Pizza, for sure. It is pizza. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Like, my brother always jokes. He's like, because I'm, like, famous for this. If we're all partying, I'll just disappear. Mm -hmm. And he knows that I'm at the closest pizza place. I'll return. I'll be back in a bit. <laughs> but my brother, like, yeah. Yeah, he, and that's funny because where I got my nose broke was outside the pizza place that we used to always go to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I grew up eating pizza in New York. That Love was it. like my my thing. What is on your workout playlist? What do you listen to? What motivates you while you work? <sighs> I listen out? to everything. I got Celtic music, rock hmm. from the 50s, 60s, jazz, classical music, country, rap, reggae. I listen to everything. Listen to and it like, all, huh? uh, Yeah, people always ask me, like, hey, you should share your playlist. I'm like, I don't think anybody would like my playlist for the gym. It's so diverse that it's not like all rock or all rap or all heavy metal or anything. There's just a mixture of everything. Just acoustic Celtic music that I like from, like, the Braveheart soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I work out, like, I've always just, I've never really needed music to work out type thing. So sure. just listen to it to listen to it. Yeah. I listen to um I listen to everything too. Um country, reggae, hip hop, you name it, right? I was a DJ, right? So I listen to everything. But uh, I listened to, you ever, you ever heard of Lindsay Sterling? She's like that violinist. Like that yes, stuff. Yes, is she's awesome. in Nashville. She Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is awesome. Yeah, man. yeah. I follow her. I uh -huh. love her stuff. Andre Bonicelli, like his like classical music. I listen to a lot of that in music. One of my favorite uh Concerts that I went to uh, was Michael Bublé. Uh, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, uh, perfect. That's yeah, what I yeah. thought. Yeah, he's another Canadian. You, you guys bring a lot of good talent over from Canada. Like, believe it or not, one of my favorite concerts I've been to. What about you? What, what was one of your favorite concerts? Probably one of the best concerts. I was Ed Sheeran and um, James Blunt. Front row tickets and everything. And I was taking the girl I was seeing for her birthday, and she's a huge Ed Sheeran fan. And it just said like Ed Sheeran on it. So I was like, well, who's opening for him? Hmm. Like, like who else is performing? Or is he just going to do like, because it was like three hours long. Sure. Um, but it was like a surprise, I guess. And then we get there and that like, you're beautiful or wow. whatever. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, they got James Blunt here. And huh. then I'm like, that'll be cool. And he did like an hour and killed it. It was awesome. And then Ed Sheeran came out and was like running through this, like the stands and stuff and yeah. put on an amazing show. It's nice when you go to a concert and there's somebody else there that you weren't expecting. So uh, I know you're a big MMA fighter. I've also seen you've post some Mike Tyson stuff. So what do you think is more entertaining in their prime, watching a Conor McGregor fight or a Mike Tyson fight? That's a good question. I don't know. I used to love watching Mike Tyson. Like when he was in his prime, he was just knocking everybody out. Mm -hmm. And it was also like, because I would watch it with my dad and it was kind of like our bonding thing. I remember watching like the early, like 1992, 93, like the first UFC ever. My dad was like renting the old videotapes from uh -huh. like, you had to go to like the back porn section to get those things <laughs> like, like the no holds barred. It was what it was called back then. Probably Tyson just because of the, the nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, that as a kid, same thing. You grow up, like, it was, like, the big deal. Everybody stopped what they were doing when Tyson fought, oh, right? Yeah. And, like, he only fought, like, once a year, yeah, twice a year. Too. So it was, like, more of an event. That's true, too. That's kind of how, like, the UFC fights used to be. It would be, like, there was only one card, like, a month or, like, every two weeks or something. But now there's, like, two a week. And so it's not like that, like, it's not a big event to, like, go out and watch the fights and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you prefer, like a, a good book or like uh, binge watching a, a, some TV? I'm not big into TV. I don't really watch much TV. Um, if I do, it's like a documentary. Um, I'm a huge like, animal nerd. Um, okay. When I was a kid, I wanted to grow up to be a, a zoologist. Huh. And then I realized that I was not smart enough to be a zoologist. <laughs> so I had to figure out other ways to get my animal fixed and stuff like that. So. I went and volunteered over in Central America for a few months, uh, worked with uh, at a wildlife rehabil oh, rehabilitation center. That was a really good experience. Went and worked with some uh, wolves up in Colorado. That was fun. But, mm hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So book. Book. Yeah, definitely. Audio book. 
whatever works for me. Like I tip like I usually don't have the time to sit down and like read a book like for yeah. like three or four hours. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll listen to like audiobooks and stuff. And I travel all the time. So it's just more handy to have them like on my phone and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but either or I don't like it doesn't matter to me. I'll read or I'll listen to an audiobook. So you said you have ADHD? A hundred percent. Oh yeah. I'm the worst. <laughs> so you're probably like me, right? You probably get a book, you start reading it, right? It's probably like a self <laughs> some self-help book, right? Or business. You're not yeah, reading yeah. like Jurassic Park. No, I can't. I've never read a fictional book in my life. Me neither. Unless I was forced to do like Moby Dick in school or I something. I still wouldn't do it. I would just lie and I would cheat off somebody beside the cliff me. notes, right? The little yellow thing. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh -huh. I, I just can't I I can't read something that I can't implemented my life. I'm the same way, man. Yeah. Like if I read a book, I remember the first book I ever read was uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Oh yeah. And I remember that, like somebody gave it to me and they're like, read this. And I, I just thought I hated reading because I'm like, I don't want to read because in school, they always give you books that are like, I don't know, the outsiders and uh -huh. stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, now nah, I'm not interested in this. And then I started reading it. And I was like, oh, this is actually like super interesting. It's like valuable information. And then I just got addicted. And I was like, oh, it's not that I hate reading. It's I hate reading like fictional stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I read that book and then that's how I started getting into like reading and stuff, but it wasn't until I was like 20 probably. <laughs> well, it's the same thing for me. So like I, I struggle, I struggle with my whole life, right? Because it's like you said, it's not interesting. Like, you know, I think school, there's a problem with school, which we've got to a whole podcast on where they, they teach you, they should teach you how to learn and not what to learn. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. You know, and they shouldn't grade you so hard on what you're learning, but just how to learn. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's a, that's an issue that I have with, with school. But for me, when I get a book, like I'll start reading it, like, and like I'm on page six, right. And I'm reading something like, whoa, this is great. Like, how am I going to implement this? Right. But meanwhile, I've already read three more pages, but my oh, mind yeah. is still on page yeah. six. Yeah. Right. And then I'm like, wait, hold on. Where am I? And then I got to go back. You like, got to go. You, you constantly do that. You do that too. All the time. Right. I'll go like three or four pages where like in my head, I'm thinking about, I don't know, something else as I'm like reading words. And then I'm like, wait, I didn't actually absorb any of that information. <laughs> yeah. I feel, and I feel horrible. I'm like, well, I gotta, and then I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, That's yeah, my yeah. OD, my OH, you know, my whatever. <laughs> yeah. I do that all the time too. Yeah, yeah. I'm always like, I have to have my pen and I like follow across it. Like, I'm still doing, I'm that kid that does that. You know, you put your finger on it. Oh yeah. I, I, I actually bring a highlighter and like highlight things just to kind oh, of. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah I'll circle thing. like certain like sentences and I'm like, OCD. That's good. I'm yeah. like thinking like, what is that? That's my OCD. Oh yeah. Like, what, I don't want to miss. Compulsive disorder. Yeah. That's something I struggle with, with books. So the audiobook usually works a little bit yeah. better. But I also still do that too, because I'll start be thinking about things and, and then, then I'm like, the I'm like thing. not listening to it. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay, so this 12-week transform, this is where you get to promote yourself here oh, a little okay. bit, right? So this 12-week transformational challenge that I see you posting all the time, is that like clients is... Yeah, yeah. So it's for just anybody that wants to have a transformation and create healthy habits and just have support systems. So yeah, it's, it's 90 days, it's 12 weeks. And then you work with me and my team and we create your nutritional programs, your um, training programs, answer any questions. Like we do Zoom calls every Wednesday and then check-ins on Sundays. So super personal in depth. And uh, yeah, it's just to help support people and keep them motivated. And, and they get you as the coach or one yeah, of your Yeah, me coaches? and my team. So the nutritionists and other trainers. So okay. yeah. And it's, it can be anywhere in the world. Yeah, anywhere in the world. Yeah, we got clients from, well, I've had, I've had clients from everywhere. South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Canada, America, everywhere. And you're holding them accountable. That's the key. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I, I like it. It's, I have a ton of fun with it. And like, people are like, always ask me, they're like, oh, like, why don't you like, because my other companies do well for themselves. And uh, they're like, why do you still do the online training? I'm like, I just like it. I like bullshitting with people. I like hearing how they're growing and progressing because that's where I get the most excitement because I get to talk to people that are like, they're making improvements and their lives are changing and I'm seeing it and they're excited and that gets me excited. And then that kind of gives me like a sense of fulfillment. Um, I don't overly get that with selling mass tort cases and stuff like that, or <laughs> like building out e-commerce and doing drop shipping and stuff. So um, I think I'll always keep that company just because- that's it, who you are. That defines you. That's yeah, how you brought up, right? So yeah. you're just basically passing what you already know to other people and changing lives. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing with me is that if I know something or I know somebody that knows something, 
I always say it in all my Instagram stories. I'm like, if you ever have a question, ask me. If I don't know the answer, I'll outsource the best answer for you or put you in contact with somebody that can. Just because I want to be able to help as many people as possible if you legitimately want help. If you don't want help, then I'm not going to help you. But <laughs> Yeah, so it's so some of the smartest people I know, you know, it's just all about taking action um, with, uh, you know, prioritizing your health. Yeah, that's so critical. Health is wealth. Like, you can't be successful in business if you're in a hospital bed and you're not doing well or you have gut issues or, or something or whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's why I take care of myself or I try to. And food is a drug, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, God, people like, especially in America, you guys, you guys' food is so unhealthy. It, it really is. <laughs> and like, yeah, like I'll well, go out, to... out in and out for lunch, right? I guess. <laughs> I've, actually, I'll tell you what, here's a fun fact. I've never had a hamburger in my entire life. Are you serious? I've never eaten a hamburger. You're not a vegan though, are you? No, no, huh. I eat meat all the time. I just don't like ground beef. Interesting. Yeah. And like in America, hamburgers aren't like they are here. It's not like, or sorry, in Canada, uh -huh. um, they're not like a staple of like, I don't know, your culture. Of course. Yeah. So like people eat them all the time and stuff, but it's not like in America. So yeah, yeah, we don't have like Whataburger in and now burger and stuff. But Nothing like that, huh? Yeah. I'll go there. I'll eat some chicken fingers or chicken nuggets <laughs> or something there. <laughs> all right. So last, while we're wrapping this up, what was her name? Uh, Caitlin was the, the woman that we text. Okay. And did she text you back? She has not texted me back. So <laughs> she, she blocked you. <laughs> I don't know if she blocked me because it says it was delivered. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, text me and let me know if she I gets back I will let you know if you. she responds back to me. And we'll make good use of the silly string. <laughs> well, again, man, you, uh, you flew all the way out to Hollywood here. I was telling my brother, he's like, who are you going to uh, go meet? I'm like, and my brother knows that I hate LA. Like uh -huh. I only ever come to LA and <laughs> Unless, like, I have to or something. And he's like, what are you doing in L.A.? I was like, I'm going to go meet Jason. And I was telling him, like, Jason's one of the few people I would fly across the country to come meet and hang out with. So. Dude, I'm so honored, man. I appreciate you doing that. And for those that, that are listening, you know, maybe just tell people how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, you can just find me on, like, Instagram, social media. Um, it's just at Colin, C-O-L-L-I-N, and then underscore main, M-A-Y-N-E. And uh, yeah, and you check your DMs. I'm I'm always on it because there's so much value in responding and like recipro reciprocating information to people. Mm -hmm. So like, I remember like probably like six years ago, I was always like instantly like replying to every comment and every answer and like just giving back as much value as I can. And then Gary V started like promoting like that business model of like constantly connecting with people and like answering their questions because. It just works for everybody. You give them information, and then they're more like likely to want to work with you and be a mm -hmm. client and stuff. It's just that's just how it flows. So yeah, I'm always answering DMs and like all audio messages, like people that support me and follow me back and answer their comments if I can. Well, I love it, man. Well, again, thank you so much for coming being on the show. Uh, again, I appreciate you making the trip. Man. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me out here. And I was laughing because. Uh, I got to the hotel. I was like, man, this is fancy. I was like, this is a nice hotel. And I was like, Jason, you could have just put me up at a Super 8. And I, I would have been fine. I would have been perfectly content. But I do appreciate the hospitality. Awesome, man. Well, we'll keep it going, man. Yeah, absolutely. This has been the Jason Hennessy Podcast. This show has been produced by Whitney Welsh engineered and edited by Josh Fisher, and recorded at Hennessy Studios. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>